Welcome. Welcome to another Trigger Proof Transmission. Um, whenever I get that calling in my heart to hit go live and to share, I get this little twinge of nervousness because I'm speaking of um, lately, if you haven't noticed, the conversations uh, in our community have gotten a lot more raw and a lot more real. Um, this is definitely on the heels of me beginning kind of to follow my dream of teaching my facilitators program. These are students that have been mastering the art of nervous system regulation and learning these cognitive tools and have been like, I really want to lead other people. And so, um, this year I've begun that journey, which every time I start a journey, every time you decide to upgrade yourself in any way, it calls on an expansion of yourself and it's uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it's been uncomfortable to face my fears, to give myself permission to first leave chiropractic and second to just dedicate all of my time and energy to teaching people how to become cycle breakers uh, in their family dynamics, in their family systems, their social systems, uh, to heal, to create secure relationships, to be the author of their own lives rather than a slave to a system in the matrix of whether it's their work, whether it's their institutions, to really uh, tap into creativity and, and give your gift to the world and, and to do that, to give ourselves permission to do that in a world that wants us to comply and conform and just, you know, just be a certain way, you know, crabs in the bucket, it's terrifying. So as I go through it, it calls on me to, to greater expansion. And here I am lately with this, this latest iteration of my own expansion, uh, I have been really noticing myself um, transforming the dynamics of all of my relationships. Uh, my, my marriage, it, it just goes through, you know, it goes through another shedding of another layer and we go deeper into intimacy. And I, I realize that uh, the secure relationship that I have now was completely impossible to me before. I didn't know what a healthy relationship was. I didn't know what it felt like. Uh, I thought that when somebody just oversteps any boundaries for space and time, it means that they love you because that's how I had that with my mother. So, you know, I just tolerated that. And that got kind of that, that was part of my um, unresolved uh, system cycle in my nervous system that informed the people that I chose in my relationships and it informed what I believed about myself. It informed what I felt that I deserved. And so clearly I didn't feel like I deserved a lot. Um, I didn't feel like I, uh, I was worthy and deserving. And so my relationships pretty much mirrored and reflected that. And it wasn't until my last, I, I was divorced, you know, 10 years, 10 years ago, and then going through a series of eight or nine, 10 <laughs> failed relationships after that. And finally getting to a place where, um, wondering are relationships even okay for somebody like me? Am I too broken? Uh, I don't trust myself. Uh, I don't, first of all, I definitely don't trust a woman after the pain that I experienced after my divorce. There's no way I want to go through that. So boom, I got one wall around my heart. Secondly, I don't trust myself. 
I really don't trust myself. Um, how can I maintain a, co a connection with somebody? After, you know, like if I have that now, like how do I know it's not just gonna fizzle away like everything else? How do I know it's not just gonna be this amazing like oxytocin dopamine driven experience in the beginning and oh my gosh, that, that honeymoon phase that we're, we're also very addicted to. Uh, eventually, you know, is that really sustainable in a long-term relationship? And it had me looking at, after my last breakup, where the police were actually involved, um, I took a break from everything to look at all of this. And I, I realized I made a huge uh, distinction and it was a very embarrassing one. And that was that, oh, um, I don't think I'm able to have a healthy, secure relationship. This is really what I wanted is a healthy and secure relationship. I don't think I'm able to have that or achieve that unless I heal these trauma bonds. And um, I had to understand, I had to unpack it. I had to learn. I learned the polyvagal theory. I learned attachment theory. I integrated my shadows. I worked with younger selves, inner child, parts work. Like I literally said, I don't care whatever it takes. I'm going to do the work. <laughs> I'm not gonna fake it because I'm 43 years old and I've been faking it um, pretty well because I can use my intellect and I can learn something and sound smart and teach it. But I wanted to actually um, live it. I wanted to be uh, an authentic example of it uh, before I felt comfortable teaching anything about relationships. So I just went into hiding for a little bit, went inside and I hired a guide, several. I hired people who I looked at um, who had the relationships that I was really looking for. And um, I used to have mentors who were super duper successful and then I became like them, I was successful, but all of their relationships weren't working. And so I thought, okay, this time, no BS, no words, no academics. I wanna see a real life demonstration. I want to learn how to have a, a secure relationship. And because most of the time when you see relationship um, uh, experts, so-called experts, all the books in the world and training uh, is a cognitive understanding, but it doesn't necessarily mean you'll be successful in a relationship. In fact, what I've noticed with our clients is the more cognitive and mental intellect, intellectual, university professors, doctors, um, engineers, masters, people who've really academics, uh, often it, when we're in our minds, in our heads a lot, our hearts, uh, there's, a, there's a chasm between our, brain, our, our head and our heart. And so that doesn't bode well in, in relationships. And so as smart as you are, uh, doesn't necessarily mean that you'll have emotional intelligence and and skills like empathy and conflict resolution and understanding how to uh, repattern your nervous system and understand what's yours and what's the other person's and how to heal from you know conflict. Like these are skills that we don't learn in school and 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 I needed to actually stop the cognitive understanding and start to learn how to go beneath that into my body and and get a, a deeper. Um, a deeper understanding so that here's the goal. I want to have a secure relationship, you know? And so I know what it's like to have relationship limbo going, should I stay or go? And the answer that I discovered was if you commit to healing your trauma bonds, 
the answer comes on the other side of that. So whatever question you have about your relationship, what I've discovered, and I'm gonna go into this on, on this training today, was that if you focus, if we focus, I don't, people are like, should I stay or go? Is this relationship solvable, salvageable? I say, uh, I don't know the answer to that. I'm not like a guru or anything like that. Uh, you have the answer to that, but the answer does not come to you, through you, unless and until you've taken on the work of doing uh, of healing your trauma bonds. And I'm gonna go into this in a moment, but this answers the question of, yeah, but what if my partner doesn't wanna do it? What if they don't do it? Uh, is it sal salvageable? And I, and I tell them, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because if you take this on, what'll happen is two things will happen. Thing number one is you shift. When you heal your trauma bonds, the things that are frustrating in your relationship right now, if you're stuck right now and you're like, I gotta get out of this, I don't know if I should, whatever, what should I do, What? where should I begin? If we focus on healing our trauma bonds, what'll happen is we, un we untangle the unconscious web that's causing the problem in the current relationship. The current relationship I want you to look at as a uh, players on a field, soccer field, let's say. That's, and you're like arguing amongst one another. The trauma bond is actually the field itself. <laughs> it's the context for which this relationship is actually formed. So is the field, a trauma bond will cause the field to be made of mud. So try getting around. You know, there's some fun times for sure. It's a lot of slippery and slidey stuff, huh? Just like in uh, your relationship, some crazy times, right? But also it's not really moving forward when you're trying to play soccer on a muddy field. So healing our trauma bonds is akin to kind of taking the players of that field and going onto a new field where everything is actually, it's turf. It's a lot better and more mobile and there's more stable ground. And from there, two things happen. Number one, you realize, ooh, this, this, I don't want this person on my team. You know, I, the, the, the context of which this relationship started isn't really uh, congruent with who I am. I, I, in fact, I was, I was incongruent the whole time. I was, that was my false self. The real self comes on and you're like, this doesn't work and you're able to untangle. And this is exactly what happened with one of our clients, Leslie, who um, is in a total trauma bond with a, a man for six years and just got pulled in and is like, I gotta get out, it's killing me. Pulled in, I gotta get out, it's killing me. Pulled back in. And I wanna talk about why this happens and how she was able to uh, literally not, I don't, this is an illusion, that's a total fantasy. It was definitely not like this. It wasn't overnight. Over about six to eight months, finally be able to say no contact because he was, you know, he was a cluster B guy. Like he was full on, like it's not like he had any um, hope of stepping up and healing, like he was bad news. He was, men, he was, he was the type of person, it's kind of like, you know, is Donald Trump going to go kind of take ownership and get authentic? No, he's never going to, to do that. Some people are just 
definitely like like completely uh i don't want to use the term hopeless but so deeply traumatized that all they are is a false self and there is no ability to take off the mask i mean she had she knew that he was having affairs the whole time and he just wouldn't tell the truth even though basically there was like the smoking gun like there was evidence and she's just like she wanted to work on why do i keep going back when i know this is you know and he he won't cuz he's lying to me and all that stuff so anyway <clears throat> how she was able to get to the point where she's like oh my god i'm no longer under the spell and a trauma bond is very much a spell um if you're meeting me for the first time i forgot to introduce myself if you're new i'm nima i'm dr nima romani but i'm no longer a practicing chiropractor for obvious reasons um I mean, I'm not for obvious reasons to you, but for, for me, for, for obvious reasons to me was that everyone coming in to see me for chiropractic care was dealing with stress-related problems. And over the last 10 years, I've been going upstream and trying to help with stress-related problems. And I found kind of the holy grail uh, of where stress comes from is uh, attachment traumas from childhood that are kind of like adverse childhood events that we carry with us and that they inform our relationship patterns and then our stresses, where most of our relational uh, traumas, most of our traumas are relational. So I just kept going upstream and just studying that. And my, my first, my first um, uh, intent was to uh, completely get get an understanding of why I was the way I was, why I was going into these same narcissistic codependent patterns, why I kept, you know, reliving this again and again and again, no matter who I was with. Uh, and then I discovered it was all because I was bonded. I was choosing people through the lens of my trauma and creating trauma bonds. So essentially um, there's a trauma bond uh, for you to understand it, I want you to see a lot of times it's it's shared um, in social media and everything as like this push-pull dynamic. In fact, actually, if you go on, um, what's her name? Holistic psychologist, ironically, uh, ironically, hol the holistic psychologist has a uh, holistic psychologist. I'm going to pop it up right here. Yeah, if you go to holistic psychologists, um, Instagram, just today, she's talking about relationship addiction. You can literally, um, you could literally just replace that with trauma bond. And it's exactly the same thing. It's kind of like this, this relational uh, dynamic, uh, essentially, where you, it's like Stockholm syndrome. It's like the person who's captured you. Uh, you want out, but you just can't escape. Um, and they're usually highly sexually charged, um, highly volatile, uh, highly abusive, uh, not just physical, but there's emotional abuse going back and forth. Definitely in my last relationship, it was very much uh, a part of it. Um, but this it, it's vol it's kind of like approach 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 avoidance 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 approach 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 i want you get the hell away from me um arguments constantly you're constantly feeling anxious <clears throat> um it it's it, there's there's some signs here um that 
you might be in one. And I'm gonna go over the signs so that you can actually look at your, it's, it's a bit of a wake up call. Cause if you're not, if you know that there's stuff not going okay, a lot of times it's uncomfortable to deal with it. So people just sweep it under the rug. Hopefully social, this social media is gonna help awaken you so that you can take action on this. Um, it's really important for your mental health, for your mental well-being, for your fulfillment in life, for your feeling of safety in your body that we address this. For your health, it's a health concern. This is a health crisis because most people in these trauma bonds, anxiety is through the roof, addictions are through the roof. Um, the relationship itself becomes an addiction. We're really highly addicted to the chemicals of dopamine of oxytocin, uh, back and forth, and then also cortisol, right? So essentially a trauma bond is a repetition. It's a repetition, it's a feel, it's a muddy field where you're repeating the same unconscious, the same dynamic with a parent. Uh, it usually starts off kind of like this where there's two roles and I don't wanna label people, I hate labels because Narcissist, uh, you know, the cluster B personality types are all just adapt um, adaptations to trauma. It's just complex post-traumatic stress injuries, right? But then the medical field loves to label them. But let's just say for the sake of argument, the extremes on those poles, NPD, narcissistic personality disorder, and a borderline personality disorder. And then we have kind of like a secure person in the middle. On this side, we have narcissistic traits and on this side we have codependent traits and at the end of the day if you've watched my um definitely watch anatomy of a toxic relationship my other video it's on youtube um this will go deeper into that make sure you watch that but essentially it's a it's a spectrum and we all fall into that depending on uh, our level of trauma depending on how our nervous system is doing that day so you're not just a one self you have like a hundred thousand different parts to you. You have a little sadistic part of you. You have a little pleaser, good little boy, good little girl part of you. Um, you have a, um, a little weakling within you and you have a tyrant within you. So we have all these parts. So, so you're not just one individual self, you're a conglomerate, but, uh, and so it's changing all the time. So this is what makes it so complicated. Um, <clears throat> But essentially what'll happen is the narcissist uh, will meet the borderline and that's where um, both parties have the same wound. Growing up, they didn't feel seen, didn't feel heard. Uh, often abusive parents <clears throat> or abuse in the form of pedestalizing the child and not giving them any boundaries with the world. One of my clients uh, ha has narcissism um, and she had the upbringing where her mother never said no. She goes, whatever she wants. And so that is kind of uh, trauma to a child because there's no boundary between her and the earth and, and the world. And so when the real world happens, it, you know, you're not able to handle uh, because you basically are a, a childlike state for the rest of your life. You're literally a baby. You know, you're you're a, emotionally you're a child because you haven't individuated. This is one of the key components that creates narcissism uh, it, from childhood. And this is why it's so important that you learn this, especially if you have children, because this is why we call this the cycle breakers uh, collective.
because it's a cycle that didn't start with you or your partner. You look at the upbringing and you see a person who had a mother based on, you know, cultural often. This is why we see this a lot in Indian, in Chinese, in Persian, in Greek. Like you see this a lot. I mean, almost every Persian I know has narcissistic parenting and almost every Persian I know kind of is somewhere along the lines of the spectrum of, of, of narcissism in case you haven't noticed. Um, just watch the Shahs of Sunset. If you don't believe me, <laughs> if you don't believe me, just watch the show, The Shahs of Sunset. It's a facepalm moment for, as a Persian, it's one of those, I can't look, but I can't look away. Um, but it all comes from trauma passed down where the child is, becomes an extension of the parent. So all the shames, all of the fears, all of the expectations get dumped onto the child and the child does not have, doesn't feel safe to kind of individuate, to go off and be their own person, right? So um, it's really, that's, that, that's trauma to a child. Uh, the, the, the child then experiences one of two responses. Um, this feeling of not feeling seen and heard, needing to perform, needing to, uh, to, to, to be part of love that's conditional. You either, they will have to have a solution to this pain. Solution number one, which the narcissist takes on, uh, is you've been listening to the Trigger Proof podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Becoming trigger proof doesn't mean trigger less. It means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds. Anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound. And if you're curious and inspired to learn more, join us at Breathwork and Badassery or the Overview Experience and a combination of both actually helps you do the work. There's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. I'm going to create a idealized version of myself, a godlike, grandiose version of myself to cope with the pain of my insignificance of not being seen and heard. And this, this kind of grandiose false self is, is the solution to this pain. And this, this is where it comes to narcissism. And then boom, the other side, uh, codependent all the way to borderline, you, the, the response is the opposite, is that, you know, the rage and the pain that they have towards not feeling seen, they'll internalize it. Uh, there'll be an internalization of this pain and um, shifting, to a, a shifting to a solution where they completely uh, blur themselves, they disappear. They completely disappear and take on this passive role where they just be invisible. Uh, they they uh, become uh, like boundaryless and merge and fuse with whoever's there.
You know, if you, it's the classic example, if you see a person, a woman who dates one guy and all of a sudden, because he likes rap music, she's a big fan of the rap music. And then she breaks up with him, goes out with this other guy. He loves country. And now all of a sudden she's like the biggest country music fan. It's this fusion. It's this, it's the strategy that the codependent or becoming kind of like a pleaser, a slave, abandoning yourself so that you can then find a connection and you find a, you basically, you know, get engulfed by a narcissist. And the two, the two have such similar wounds that it's kind of like when you meet, it's kind of like soulmates, you know, it's like the, the narcissist basically you strike, they strike a deal with the codependent borderline and says, look, I'm going to love you the way your mother never did and creates this idealized, fantasized version of you. You're the best, you're the most beautiful. Oh my goodness, you're the sexiest. And then completely lays on the love, this is the love bombing slash grooming phase where you, you know, you're basically being taken into that world, right? When you're a borderline slash codependent, it's basically like crack cocaine to you. <laughs> it's like for the very first time, you get to see yourself and feel absolute love towards yourself through the gaze of the, the narcissist, through the gaze of the narcissist. And so you experience self-love for the first time. And in fact, they turn you into a narcissist. It's, it's highly addictive. It's this experience most times. Oh my God, it was love at first sight, love bombing, da, 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 da. He's, he, I just love him so much. The truth, you didn't love him. It wasn't them or her, because it's same thing happens, men, women, same thing. I'm just using the, the classic examples. If I could be stereotypical just for the sake of being brief, talking to a camera. Um, it, it's, it's not that you love them. It's you fell in love with the idealized version of yourself. Ouch, ouch, it's you, it's, you experience self-love through their hall of mirrors as as uh sam professor sam vaknin calls it it's kind of like you know it's like this need to be adored and worshipped you know on my last webinar so we were talking about this and this this i forget who it was she's like oh my god i love being love bombed and she was very <laughs> honest about it. she goes yeah who doesn't uh, the people who love being love bombed we love being love bombed when we completely lack self-love. Self-love is the antidote, is the actual antidote to trauma bonding. And it's the hardest thing to get to, but I'm gonna talk about it. But essentially what happens is people say, oh, the narcissist doesn't have any um, empathy or anything like that. And it's like, oh, let's look again. There's, only, there's, a, there's a, a good way that they know exactly how to love bomb you and what the, what the right things to say, because it's kind of like, I, I know your pain. Uh, you know, they, oftentimes the, the, the clients that, that we work with that we're helping kind of untangle the impacts of all of this kind of uh, abuse and, and uh, kind of break free from these trauma bonds, they'll be in tears going, nobody ever saw me like he did right it's like he never nobody ever saw he was the first one to really see me in other words 
he was a surrogate mother, the mother that I didn't have. And that is the foundation of the trauma bond. It's on the playing field of compensating for the love that you didn't receive from mom and dad. You didn't receive it. And so now you've started this dance and this deal that's struck. He says, I'm going to love you. I'm going to be the mother that you never had on one condition. You're going to do the same for me. And I'm going to provide you with all of the compliments that help you not feel all of your insecurities and self-doubts for a minute to lower your defenses. And then once the defenses are lowered and I create a fantasy and they all, there's a fantasy that's created. This is the key. How do they do that? By creating a fantasy, fantasy of a beautiful life of money, whatever it is, money, the, 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 the life. Um, uh, my ex's fantasy was leaving her life as a madam and doing something legitimate. And I was the opportunity. I was the target. It was me, you know, but because I didn't love myself, the, the, um, behavior, the, the, her love bombing parts, which are in, in her, her way of completely fusing and merging into everything that I would love, which basically she took on an entirely new identity. She went from being a madam who is a, uh, who ran a gluten-free cafe, total kind of like activist and amazing kind of outside persona pillar of the community but in the underground she had a madam she was a madam exploiting women and i just kind of like because she was validating all of my insecurities through her form of love bombing through sex through using sex and everything because that that's where the the borderline will use sex as a form of manipulation and i because i was so in my fear in my impulses and instincts and not in my heart, not in my intuition. I was so susceptible to that. It was a right away. It was, we just put aside everything else and we both had this shared, shared fantasy. And, and the reason why I say that, the reason why I say that is because a shared fantasy is critical for a trauma bond to happen. We must have a shared fantasy for the trauma bond to happen. Yeah, that's where trauma bonds are steeped in, this fantasy of this amazing love that, you know, these feelings that come up, you know, sex and orgasm and dopamine and all of that stuff and the love bombing, this becomes an addiction. Why? Well, when are we most susceptible to addiction? Well, when our current reality is so shitty, when we don't love ourselves, when we are steeped in uh, shame, when we have not resolved a grief, in the case of one of our clients, uh, Leslie, she was a perfect storm for this um, trauma bond to happen because she had just gone through the grief of losing her partner. He died. And then a few months later, boom, she starts this trauma bond relationship. Usually it comes in the form of, you know, 
a, a, a damsel in distress, a knight in shining armor, a princess who needs a king or, or prince to fawn on her. These are all childhood Disney fucking fantasies that ever since you were a little child have been carefully programmed into your mind through movies and romance novels. They don't really, they're not real, they're not real. But we have these expectations of love, of this, uh, the love bombing and, and getting compliments and finally feeling like we're like so amazing and being idealized. And that the moment that that hook comes in, that, okay, we're together, boom, that's when there's an abrupt change. Now that's when the narcissist says, he he because he, he's taken some snapshots of you know this perfect idealized person that he has in his fantasy and if you don't you don't match that for one reason or another boom you weren't what i expected this is this is totally not what i expected out of you i can't believe that you said that i can't believe that some oh, and now the conversation goes from pedestalizing you to completely throwing you in the pit devaluing you thinking you're thinking you're not enough like what are you doing like you're nobody's gonna love like horrible horrible things now the abrupt split between that pedestalization and devaluation is the formation is the root cause of the trauma bond because in that moment where you've now taken on that surrogate mother that was gonna love you the way that you never have been loved before. Then they turn into the abusive one. You're like already hooked because you cannot get rid, you can't disown your mother. So the rest of your relationship then becomes this toxic cycle dance where you go from those various stages again and again, some call it the cycle of abuse, but it very, very, it, it, it just, it's very, very predictable. And it all comes back to this context of two very traumatized souls. Now, believe you me, when I first realized this, it fucking just blew my mind. I was like, all right, no wonder I got to dismantle this because I remember there was a moment where I said, okay, if I, God, please give me a sign, give me a sign. Cause I can't leave this. It's too hard to leave. It's too addictive. I can't leave. Just when I think I'm out, she pulls me back in. She'll send, you know, sexual kind of stuff. And I'm feeling lonely in that moment. Fuck. Okay. Just one more night. Okay, fine. It's kind of the song from uh, Maroon five. One more night. That's trauma bond. <laughs> I cross my heart and I hope to die. I only stay with you one more night. Just listen to the words of that song. After I realized what trauma bond is, I saw it in every song, pretty much every song out there that talks about pain in a relationship is describing a freaking trauma bond. I'm, um, uh, I love the way you lie, Eminem with Rihanna. You know, just 
listen to the words. Just just go go on your Spotify or or Apple Music or whatever thing or on YouTube and just love the way you lie by Eminem featuring Rihanna and listen to the words. Travel bond. <laughs> it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Pretty much every relationship Eminem has is a trauma bond. <laughs> and we all are guilty of this at some point. Let me know if you resonate. Am I the only one here? Do you resonate with this or not? Absolutely. It's so common. So when I realized I was in this game and I was hooked in this, it really helped to dissolve some of the shame that I was carrying because I felt so ashamed. I felt so ashamed for... Um, tolerating abuse. I felt so ashamed for being abusive. I felt so ashamed for being intelligent, but then being with somebody that I couldn't feel comfortable or even proud to be around. I, I was concealing her identity around my family and hiding from my family because I felt such shame about myself. I'm like, and it's weird because, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a decent guy and I have some amazing gifts to give to this world but this one thing one part of this myself and I'm successful but this one part of myself I can't get right. So I had to unpack it. And so I the the goal of of this um transmission for you is to help you look at a few signs. Um, to see whether or not you, you, you find yourself in this situation. If you do, great. You've gone from unconscious to conscious. That's the first step towards breaking the cycle. Because you, if you don't know that you're stuck in this cycle, you just think that that person's an asshole or you, there's something wrong with you. I'm here to tell you, you're not, gonna, you're not gonna be able to heal that. But if you look at that, look at it with a trauma lens, with a lens of the nervous system, you realize there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's not your fault. It's not even their fault. You're stuck in a dynamic. You're in a trauma bond. It's a dynamic. And you can sit here and point fingers and he was a narcissist. Ah! This is one of the side effects of this uh, kind of healing uh, trauma community is everyone's on a different level of where they're at. And when you're stuck in victimhood, there's no way that you're going to heal. But when you look at this, when you enter this conversation of trauma bonds, you, you then realize that you're both the victim and the perpetrator. You're both the narcissist and the codependent, and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> it's not your fault either. And so my goal is to help uh, start this conversation so that people don't uh, hide because of the shame. Most of, if you're listening and you haven't done anything about what I'm saying, it's probably because you feel ashamed about it. And you feel ashamed because, uh, for good reason, it's mortifying um, to our false selves, to our egos. <laughs> We're so run by ego and we want to look good. And it doesn't look good to admit that I was codependent. It doesn't look good to admit that I was showing up as maybe covert or overtly narcissistic. Um, um, so hold on one second. I'm getting a message here to close some tabs. And there we go. Hopefully that's helpful. There we go. Boom. Is that better? Okay. Beautiful. So here we are. So we don't have to we don't have to have shame in it. We don't have to hide anymore. This community is about telling the truth. We can't heal from this without authenticity, and we can't have authenticity without vulnerability, and we can't have vulnerability without courage. So I know what it's like to be scared, um but if you're in this um room or if you're in this 
conversation. You've you found yourself on to my content and social media, wherever you are, Facebook Live, um, YouTube on a replay or a podcast. I'm really glad that you're here. There's a reason why you're here. And everything you experienced in the last, um, it says 38 minutes, notice what's happened in your body. Are you noticing your heart rate going up? Are you notice your face feeling flushed? Some people say, my God, you make me really upset. You trigger me. Uh, I, I've been crying the whole time that I've been listening to you. I've been shaking. I can't breathe when you're, when you're speaking. What, what do you think that means? Uh, I work in trauma. I'm not trying to traumatize you. I'm just, it means that the truth is very triggering. That's why people don't tell the truth. The discomfort you feel right now is why most people wear masks because we wear masks because we are so, we've abandoned our authentic selves so much. We think that, that, that our authentic self is not lovable. If you saw the real me, you wouldn't love me, you would reject me. So we end up rejecting ourselves uh, in the meantime and then putting on these masks and we don't even know that they're there, but it's exhausting. And we deep down, we wanna be loved for who we are, but we're terrified of showing who we are because of rejection. This is a very common thing. This is a part of your your hero's journey on this planet. So I'm so glad you're here and you're having this conversation. And um, there's a few signs I want you to look out for um, that I kind of took some notes here. Let me just see. There it is, six, uh, six seven, I'm not sure. So here it is. <clears throat> Take a look. Number one, if you've noticed yourself falling into another person's victim story and subscribe to their reality and you believe their reality as kind of, what is it called? As, as over the top it might seem, you know, there's some, the spectrum, you know, like of conspiracy theorists to the COVIDians who like, you have like extremes on both camps, right? The, the truth is in the middle. You have extremes on both camps. But let's say you have somebody and you're in their, in their life and you've now totally subscribed to their reality and you believe their reality to the point where you've lost yours. You're like, okay, well, whatever their reality is, you know, um, that is one of the signs that you might be in a trauma bond. Um, number two, you can't stop thinking of this person even though they have absolutely destroyed your mental health, they've caused physical injuries, you're trying to leave, but you're, you know, it's been six months, it's been a year, it's been a year, it's been two years you've passed and you're still grieving, you're still in a form of grief, right? You're still grieving you might be in a trauma bound. It's number two. To heal that, we need to, it's not just about like forgetting them. You gotta go after, you gotta realize it's not about them. It's two years that you've, it's not about them. There's a piece of you that you've lost. And so, which is the fantasy, by the way. And so if you dare, to forget them, it's like losing a part of yourself. It's very painful, it's very complicated. You can't do it by reading a book. You can't do it by just listening to this podcast or Clubhouse Room or just asking questions even on Clubhouse. Can't do it from uh, YouTube video. It just, 
it's far deeper than that. We have to actually go in and shift that. And most people don't have the courage. I, I remember this one woman, uh, she's actually a marriage and family therapist and a social worker. She helps people through their relationships. And we were on a discovery call one time and uh, she's like in tears. She's like, I can't do this, it's killing me. And it's impacting my, my two-year-old daughter. I have a two-year-old daughter and I'm not there for her because this relationship is totally taking me out. And this is exact, it's scaring me because this is exactly what I experienced growing up with my mother, with another person. And I'm like, can you see how the cycle has passed down? You see that kind of dual mothering uh, root cause? where, where the, the toxic um, trauma bond kind of begins. So she was like, I gotta do it. Okay, I'm doing it, I'm ready. I'm ready to do this. And she knows rationally, she helps people through this stuff. But then all of a sudden when it came time to pull the trigger and commit and actually register to do it, she, she all of a sudden her Zoom call cut off. I reached out, I texted her. I'm like, are you there? Oh, I lost you and she was gone she ghosted me somebody who is highly intelligent licensed marriage and family therapist ghosted me at the at the terrifying notion that you know, i guess she thought that i was going to tell her you can't see him again which is not the way we do it by the way fyi um don't go to somebody who's going to all of a sudden tell you it's because it's like an addiction it's like you have to stop alcohol you have to co quit cold turkey no you don't actually. You can actually use the relationship uh, exactly how it is to break the trauma bond. On the other side of it, they either step up to meet you, which is what we've seen with some of our clients. They're like, should I stay or go? They've been married 10 years, wasn't working, infidelity. She does the work, finally moves on. Well, guess what? Within six months, he stepped up and shifted himself. They're back together now and they've never been healthier and they still have challenges, but they're able to meet and have a unified mutual relationship because she stepped up for herself. She was the one that shifted her entire f field. It's like when you do the inner work and break these trauma bonds, what happens is that your relationship turns, turns from like an away game, this feels like an away game, to ah, oh, this feels like a home game. I'm not like a victim, a bystander. I have a say in how this relationship goes. I have a say in receiving a mutual love of a person who feels safe and is committed and is and doesn't kind of put all of their emotional responsibility on me. I'm the avoidant usually, with, you know, when you're with codependent slash borderline type of person, they're expectation is you're gonna fix my emotion. Like they use relationships as their, as their emotional regulation, which is, which is a lot of work. <laughs> if you've ever been told, if you've ever been told, I can't win with you, it's a lot of work to be around you. That's what I'm talking about. Not that you're bad, it's just that's the experience this unresolved wound creates for your partner. So um, yeah, prolonged grief is number two. Number three is you feel energetically spiritually tied to them, okay? Kind of like you you think of them, this was, this was definitely me with the first woman who I dated, Sarah, I'll never forget her, um, after my divorce. The first person, like I would think of her 
and then boom, a text message would come. Or I would text her and she would, and, and, and even if we broke up, like we, we would go through this push-pull dynamic back and forth like about 30 times over four years. And if, if it's, we would go a period of like two or three months and not see one another. And then she, I would start thinking of her. I'd be like, God damn, like, you know, that, that connection or that night where we did this and that and wow, it was amazing. And then all of a sudden, boom. Oh my God, I was just thinking about you. Boom, and we're right back. And it's just, <gasps> so that's one of them. Number three, does that resonate with you? Have you ever been in that situation? It, fuck, it's crazy, isn't it? It's like, oh my God, we're soulmates. We are soulmates. We're twin flames. So we're, so we're twin flames. We're soulmates. They're usually, as Russ loves to say, you think you're soulmates, but you're actually cellmates. You know, you, um, you know, you, you, they can easily pull your strings and you're out and you're completely out of control, totally like a badass at work. No problem. But around this person, you turn into like an eight year old. How the fuck does that happen? You know, it's like, this is Jen who was, uh, who I've been working with. Definitely. If you haven't watched, um, please go and watch how to break a trauma bond in six months. Uh, just did an interview because I literally, you get to see somebody who did it. And uh, she was like, how could I be? And she shared this, she's like, how could I be this badass entrepreneur crushing it? And then just completely like, like a blob without any boundaries in my personal relationship, right? So that that's number three is you feel energetically or spiritually tied to them. Uh, they can pull your strings um, and, you know, they call, they text right when you think of them. That's a good sign you're in a trauma bond. Now I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying what it is and there's a way out. I'm gonna tell you about how to get out in just a moment. Um, the next one is if you're constantly finding yourself making excuses for the person, you know, my mom would always say, yes, your father, his, his mother did die. His mother, you know, that's how he is. You know, he, 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 he was like idolized from ages zero to 14 by his mother and his family. And then boom, his mother dies at 14. So that is like textbook, textbook foundation for narcissistic, uh, for, for narcissism. I'm not saying he's got MP, NPD, but I'm saying he's definitely on that spectrum and it, it, more, more kind of like a covert. So making excuses, oh, just make excuses for that person constantly. If you're constantly finding yourself making excuses for that person, notice that it'll probably be like when you were making excuses or trying to fix dad, you know, dad's an alcoholic or mom's a complete alcoholic. You gotta clean up after him or take care of everybody else, right? So there it is. Um, number five is you fall for the love bombing and intermittent reinforcement, like you believe it. Like you actually believe it. But he said that I was like the most amazing, most beautiful. He said that I was special. I felt special. Like you believe it. I'm not saying you're not special. Um, but the, 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 the more problem I have with self-love, the more easily I am able to be manipulated by somebody. And I can sense it now right away when somebody first meets me and they start bombing me with compliments. Um, 
there was a time where I would easily fall for it. In fact, with my ex, I fell for it hook, line, and sinker. She's like, oh, you're amazing. You helped me with my food sensitivities. And oh my gosh, I wanna, I wanna help you with your business. And I was like, wow, I'm, they're gonna love me. I'm lovable. Oh. Right, I believed it. I bought into it, right? That's a good sign, and and you fall for it, and in this intermittent reinforce of these little breadcrumbs, and just as you're about to leave, just as you're like, screw this, I'm done, and they're threatened, that's when they start the love bombing again. All of a sudden, they're nice, and oh, until the defenses get lowered, and then boom, back to devaluing, and the cycle continues, because you're a rat in a cage, and there's a scientist giving you little reinforcement, little sugar pills, and, and, and you just keep hitting that thing, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, just as you're about to give up, you get another one and that keeps you going for another 20 years <laughs> until you do the work and break from the trauma bond. Some experts say it's impossible. I'm just letting you know. The academics and the experts, they'll all say that. But I have evidence to, to show in real life case studies and examples uh, that, that you'll be hearing from. I'm gonna be doing little interviews uh, over the next little while. I'd really want you to, like Jen's, definitely watch Jen's. After hers, I was like, wow, this is amazing. Um, how many other people in my community really want to share their story? And the hands start going up. So I'm about to do some interviews with some people who've actually done it so that you know that it's possible. Don't believe the experts that say you can't. Yes, there is a spectrum. Yes, not everyone can do it. You have to have some inner resources and outer resources. You can't expect to be a damsel in distress being rescued. 90% of the people who apply for, to help, for our help to help them break those trauma bonds they're looking to be rescued. They're not really looking to do their own work. They're looking to be rescued because they're not willing to have a fair exchange. They expect just help me. They want the kind of like they want the free they want the free thing and that's that's not the attitude. The attitude is um I I want I want to do this and I'm ready to do a fair exchange for it. Fair exchange is is the way that you have secure relationships. A secure relationship cannot be uh, happening without a fair exchange. So many people try, because you don't know what a fair exchange uh, secure relationship is, when you try, when people apply to have their trauma bonds. Can you see me? Oh, it's working. When people uh, apply to have their trauma bonds assisted, um, you gotta be passed beyond the rescuing. You gotta actually be committed to doing the work. No one's coming to rescue you and there's a fair exchange. And so that's difficult, especially when you're codependent and you've been you know, the victim of abuse, you're like feeling ground zero. Um, there might be some time before you're ready for this level of work. And so it's a step-by-step -step thing. And here's the best part, it's a lifelong learning. So I'm still in the process of healing. Right, and my current relationship with with my wife, my relationship with my wife, uh, is part of the healing of that. In other words, the way we heal trauma bonds is by secure relationships. Secure relationships will help you heal those trauma bonds. So, and the the the, the sixth one um, it, that you're in a trauma bond is that you constantly are holding on to hope that this person will come back. 
or leave their partner for you. The classic case is, I'm waiting, we've been waiting for the divorce to, they're separated and we're waiting, it's been three years, he keeps promising. He promised he'll leave, I've been with him for two years, you're holding on to hope. Classic trauma bond. Maybe he'll leave the, the, his wife, they're having problems, he's not happy in his marriage. And then six months later, one year later, two years later, he's like, I can't leave. I, just as he's about to leave, I can't leave. And so that's a trauma bond, that's classic. So those are some signs I want you to look at. And so the way that we approach this, the way that I had to approach this, um, it was to become a cycle breaker, to realize and acknowledge this wasn't my fault, that it was part of a cycle, uh, there's no shame in it, and that if there's, you know, you need, a, I, first of all, I couldn't do it alone. You need a guide and you need a community to help you. Why? Because as you share your story with other people who are actually in the same situation, sometimes in the exact opposite kind of place, you know, the, a lot of our, our students in our programs are, you know, they, some were cheated on, others were the ones who did the cheating, right? And so to hear that in a community that's completely um, committed to healing, uh, non-judgment, complete non-judgment, like, like this is what you went through and what,